hands with somebody and tell them, I hope Brother Mooney doesn't go all day. How nice. <laughs> Are you doing okay? Now, well, I, you may be seated. I am just totally knocked out by the tremendous crowd that's here and people that would give themselves their energies and their minds to this. By the way, if you bought a notebook, now there's not enough for everybody, but if you bought a notebook, please uh, get a copy of the lesson. It will make absolutely no sense to you, but you can at least say you had a copy of it. And uh, you can throw it away later. I, I have to tell you this. Brother... Um, uh, Brother Chance developed a tremendous Bible lesson. If you didn't get anything else out of this conference but Brother Chance's notes, and you have gotten a lot more than that, and uh, I hope you do understand that many of these speakers are just introducing stuff to you. Hopefully, uh, if you're like me, you're being inspired to get into this more and maybe to take a new look at some of these things. So that's the idea. The I We're not exhausting all these things. So Brother Chance has given you... Uh, I think about six weeks of Bible studies that he has done in his church. And since he started teaching this particular resource in his church, he said his uh, Bible classes have doubled in uh, the time that he's been doing that. So that's very interesting. And that material's there for you, and I hope you'll start using it. Brother Chance would be uh, happy for you to do that. So we thank God for that. And there's many, much more material throughout the notebook, and there's old tracks and other stuff that you can use and uh, new material uh, being uh, there for you to uh, take advantage of. So I hope you'll understand that aspect of the notebook. And if you haven't bought one yet, we do have some left still. So get out there and make sure that you take one of these home. Uh, I'd like for everybody to have those because they're very, very important. The ideas that we're all struggling with out there in the world are becoming mainstream. So we're up against some pretty, pretty uh, mainstream stuff. And uh, you have a, an America today that little children are getting thrown out of school just for carrying a Bible to school. So that's how complex uh, the world is becoming. So uh, let's just bow our heads for a moment and pray that the Lord will help us here. My subject is the dumbing down of the apostolic doctrine. And uh, we're going to think about that. But first, let's pray. God, in your precious name, we ask you to talk to us, talk to our hearts, talk to our minds. Help us to understand the things that are given to us in the Word. We need your Word. We need the touch of your Word. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, what I want to do here is kind of switch gears on you a little bit. I'm going to try to quit at about... Uh, 2.30 or so, maybe about 2.33, and then Brother Molin Paul is going to come and talk to us about creation. So I'm going to jump to my main point. And uh, I think that uh, we can uh, be uh, at least, uh, shall we say, uh, uh, helped somewhat by just reflecting on this idea of the dumbing down. See, the devil doesn't, uh, he works in many ways. He has all kinds of programs out there to destroy our faith and destroy our convictions. And one of those things that he does against us is he kind of dumbs us down. And uh, we have uh, a lot of silliness in church today, a lot of foolishness connected with religion today. And many people are buying into uh, things that are contrary to the doctrine, not so much because they are intellectually rejecting the truth. You understand? 
Some people intellectually reject the truth or they, they think it all through and they say, well, this is just not for me. But there are many, many people that are being, uh, I'm, I'll use the word, kind of being sucked into a religious, uh, a religious foolishness today. And their spiritual lives and the, their, um, their church life has become uh, kind of emotional and silly and without much foundation. And that's what we're going to at least spend a few minutes here on talking about. It's very important that you have something substantial in your heart and in your brain, in your soul. It's like revival. It's very easy to get so interested in revival from the standpoint of numbers that we switch from principle to pragmatism. We start thinking about, well, we need to do whatever we have to do to just uh, get people in the church and forget about the whole purpose of getting people in the church is to get them acquainted with the truth. Now, there's a wonderful scripture often used uh, by preachers, and I love it, and I'm sure you do, from Psalms 119, and we'll just go there. Psalms 119 and verse number 130. The entrance of thy words, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth uh, understanding under the simple. Let's read it together. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. And I like to always add verse 131 to that. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Now, if we could just get the church to long for the commandments of God. Uh, I like to read Toffler. I read his book. Uh, his first book was on future shock, and then, of course, he's written several others. And one was a book entitled Power Shift. And there was a phrase, if you do like I do, I kind of mark books as I read and maybe put a little uh, sticky on there or something. And when I was reading this book, I think this was about the only line. Power Shift was a long book, and uh, to tell you the truth, it was quite... Uh, quite boring and not too interesting. And I think this is the only line in Toffler's uh, volume called Power Shift that I, I really underlined, I put a sticky on. He said that this age, the time in which we living, are living in right now, is probably uh, the hinge of history. This is a hinge of history. In other words, the future of the country, the future of the world is going to be decided not so much by political power, by people, you know, out shooting guns and all of that, but by the ideas that people adopt in this age. That's what this book was about, Power Shift. And it is a very important idea. And so everything, and I think it's true to some degree in the church that this is kind of an age of the hinge. What are we going to believe and what are we going to stand for? One of the things that hurts me as a person is when church gets kind of silly. And when church gets dumbed down, when preaching gets dumbed down, when the things of God... You know, there's a sacredness to all of this. Uh, I never laugh at anybody who is making fun of speaking in tongues. Uh, you don't dumb that down, because that experience is a very important and powerful experience for me. So don't, don't dumb that down. I don't want anybody to take the idea of worship and turn it into some kind of spiritual, theatrical recreation, because it's too powerful. Now, sometimes the young people don't understand, the, uh, even students and sometimes Calvary young people don't understand. I don't want them... Uh, I don't want us, uh, choir songs that are choreographed. I don't want dancing and music that's choreographed. I don't want women in tutus with ribbons dancing around half naked and call that worship. Because it just, see, 
you know, now I'm, I'm a, I, it's okay, you know, at a concert or something, you know, a little, uh, uh, you, know, you know, everything in moderation, a little, uh, stay with me now, this is afternoon stuff, so, you know, if I'm not controversial, uh, you won't even be interested in listening to what I'm going to say. You know, just some things are kind of stupid, you know. And so it seems stupid to me. Now, forgive me for the word. You know, stupid is a dangerous word. People, my, my wife says, never use the word stupid in the pulpit. But here I am again saying the word. But, you know, um, and as Brother French says, don't get me started. But, you know, here, uh, here we have, and thank you for uh, alluding to my article or mentioning my article about worship wars. Here we have this wonderful thing called the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God's power in us, and it does make us emotional, does make us want to worship. But I want that to be expressive. I want that to be free. And, and when we substitute the kind of uh, spontaneous, powerful, heartfelt worship for, whoa, 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 it's just like, duh, why aren't we doing that? You know, why don't we just stick with the real thing? Why don't we just sing until the Holy Ghost comes and... I like running, but I, I you know, I, I, I think it's okay, but, you know, let's not organize it. Or let's not command it. Let's not, let's not, uh, let's not make it essential to salvation that a person do 25 laps. You know, I should have more sense than to be talking the way I'm talking right now. But see, I don't want the church to be dumbed down. You know, there's some things just kind of silly. I was in a, an airplane that uh, uh, this uh, uh, young couple had their kids in there. It was about a uh, uh, man and his wife and three of his kids, as I recall. And they were all getting buckled into the uh, airplane, you know, and the thing was taxiing down the runway. And the little daddy turns around to his children and said, All right now, come on, we got to help the pilot. Let's start flopping our wings. Come on, let's go, everybody. And those little children in that airplane just started going, huh, huh, that's it. And, and the dad got them all worked up and everybody in the plane's looking over there and these little kids are just going, ah, ah, and they're just really into it. Dad says, come on, come on, come on, come on. And uh, so that plane, of course, took off and those little children were just flapping their arms, flapping their arms. And after we were up in the air, the dad turned to him and said, nice job. Now that's okay for kids, but it's not okay for adults. All of, all, of, uh, all of the adults kind of smiled and chuckled, but we all knew that those children had nothing to do with helping that plane to get off the runway. So you know when you bling, now somebody have to go with me now, you bring all that flesh into the church, and all that pretense into the church, and all that kind of dumb stuff into the church, and then start believing that you are actually creating revival through the flesh and through uh, human talent and through human ability. Why? You need, to, you need to get back in the prayer room and find out what this is all about. Now, I want, I want uh, to rush ahead here, and I just, uh, uh, one point that I want to make. Now, in the uh, controversy between Huxley and Orwell, I remember I had a teacher that came up to me and handed me, uh, when I was in high school, maybe, a, maybe about a sophomore in high school, and I had a very, a very good teacher in high school, handed me a book, uh, Orwell's book, uh, 1984, or 18, yeah, 1984. Was that it? Yeah, 1984. And uh, said, uh, uh, Mooney, uh, you are a different kind of person. You need to read this book. And so I did. And I was completely forever changed by Orwell's book. And, of course, he saw 
the day in which uh, people would be controlled by Big Brother. This is where we get the idea of government, the, the father and all of that, and the father image of uh, American government and so forth. But there was another book contemporary to that called Huxley's, uh, or called uh, uh, Brave New World by Huxley. Now, the Brave New World said, well, uh, something a little different. In, in that wonderful novel, The Brave New World, suggested that what it wouldn't be Big Brother that would really capture the hearts of people in the New World, but it would be, in fact, people pigging out on pleasure. People getting to the place where they weren't so much controlled by that which they could not have, but they had everything, and therefore they wanted nothing of substance. In, to put it into kind of layman's language, it would all be about just pleasure, what they wanted. Now, every con artist knows that the best way for him to work, people, is to try to figure out what they want and to fool them by making them think that he or she can provide for them what they want. Every person has this little thing inside of them. Uh, every person has a, a kind of a credibility sensor. Every, nobody wants to be deceived. Nobody wants to be uh, lied to, really. But on the other hand, many people are willing to accept lies and they're willing to go along with dumb religion. They're willing to go along with something other than what the Bible really teaches because they have a desire for something. Some people leave a good, strong, holiness, apostolic church because they want somebody to tell them they don't have to live holy, they don't have to live right. Sometimes people want to figure out a way to go to heaven without any doctrine, without any discipline. So they seek out preachers that will preach to them the things that they want to hear. Having itching ears, they desire. See, they have an interest in something, a desire for something, and so they're willing to override what they really know because they think, just think maybe, that if they give up what they know to be true and reach for that other thing, that maybe some preacher can just say, well, it's, it's like somebody going around the country, following preachers around the country, thinking that there's some preacher that can give you a ministry just by laying hands on you or prophesying over you. No preacher can give you a ministry, not a real ministry, not a real apostolic ministry. You're going to have to find a place before God and seek God and talk to God and get in the Bible and study to show yourself approved unto God. You can't just pass out gifts pass out all of the... See, and there's, a, there's kind of a, a, a foolishness in people today. And they want anointings, and they want miracles, and they want... They, they're like the Simon in the book of Acts. They just want to be able to do all this cool stuff. But they don't want to pay the price for it. And into this scene comes the con artist that says, I'll give you this. I'll make you believe you can have new anointings. You can have new... Don't worry about the doctrine. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. There's all kinds of ways to give out gifts. And they actually train people to avoid the things that are holy and righteous and true because people want a shortcut to ministry, a shortcut to spirituality, a shortcut to salvation. And they buy in to their pleasure. And they override their sense of understanding. They override their own desire to have the truth told to them. People are willing to believe a lie and be damned. And here we are as, you know, I don't know about you, but I respect apostolic people. I respect apostolic preachers. And I want to use my, just my two minutes here to say to you that we need to 
lift one another up and respect one another that are preaching this truth because we are fighting a real fight and it's not going to get better. It's not going to go away. It's going to be something of tremendous intensity in these last days. So pledge with me. Here's my little pledge. When it comes to prayer, I don't want to dumb it down. When it comes to worship, I don't want to dumb it down. When it comes to doctrine, I don't want to dumb it down. I want it to be real. You know, I want to be real. That's what I like about apostolic people. For the most part, apostolic people are just real. You know, I just, have you ever been around these people that are kind of putting it on and, you know, they're kind of into all of this? Oh, I feel so wonderful. And, you know, and they pretend they have no problems. I like apostolic people because when they have a problem, they, they gripe about it. It's like, these are real people. So the question of, of the question uh, of of taking that which is so holy and just reducing it to silliness and reducing it to just uh, some kind of con, taking the pulpit to manipulate people and to work people and and to get people uh, to just get people to follow you blindly, using your talents, your ministry, your calling, just to enlist disciples under yourself and forgetting the importance of preaching the word of God, just doesn't seem like a good plan to me. And so from one preacher, I hope to some other preachers in this place, let's not allow this glorious message to be dumbed down. How could that happen? Because people seek easy ways. They seek pleasure. They seek, they seek, uh, you know, it's very, this world has so much stuff. There's so much stuff today. And preachers can become very popular just by saying, well, go after all the stuff of this world. Don't worry about, don't worry about any rules. Don't worry about how you dress. Don't worry about how you think. Don't worry about how you baptize. We can have church. It doesn't matter. And pretty soon church just gets dumber and dumber and gets more silly and the songs get sillier. People writing songs today that are nothing more than just kind of, they're just kind of ballads about trying to find your way back to salvation. It's songs written by backsliders that are trying to pray through every Sunday night. There's no victory. There's no sustaining power. They're just kind of dumb songs. And you're supposed to worship. And it's pretty hard to worship. But give me a song about Jesus. Give me a song about the power of God. Give me a song about... That's positive. That has a message to it. Give me, give me a song. Here's somebody I'm going to preach to you how you can have... You know, everybody wants to hear, how can I have more power? And how can I have more... How can I have more of this, more anointing and more of that? Well, what about just how can I get closer to Him? Brother Richardson, I'm glad you're here. I love your song. Just to walk with Him means everything to me. See, that's a smart song. That's a song about getting closer to Jesus Christ. I sometimes say, you know, how horrible it is to have to listen. I'm lost in the desert. I don't know where I'm at. I'm suffering from a bad attitude. My mama has left me. My daddy too. And my third wife is fixing to leave me as well. But thank God I finally made it to church tonight and I can feel His Spirit. One, You know, I just can't get in that. You know, so... Let's get it back up there where it belongs. Get the message back up where it's a high message, a great message, a powerful message, an anointed message. Preach to me about Jesus. Preach to me about the cross. Preach to me about the blood. I'm not tired of it yet. I'm not weary with it yet. 
Some people say, I'm tired of that doctrinal stuff. I'm not tired of that doctrinal stuff. It gets sweeter and better to me. Stand. God bless you. That was kind of what I was going to talk about today. I want to leave it there because uh, we need to hear from these wonderful speakers. And uh, we want to make sure that we just finish the day because Brother McCool is here. Brother Paul is here. I want to hear from them. Now, look, we're right on schedule. Everybody say we're right on schedule. And Brother Paul is going to come. He's going to help us to understand. Parents pay attention. Pastors pay attention. And uh, then Brother McCool is going to come and talk to us about the doctrine and the pulpit. I believe that is his subject. And let me tell you, this man can do it. Brother Paul, I really should introduce him as Dr. Paul. We do respect the fact he's truly a Ph.D. He's taught in universities as well as high schools. He's taught, of course, in our Bible colleges. We thank God for Brother Paul and Sister Paul, who puts up with Brother Paul. And this is a team, they're on, the, they're on the evangelistic field, they come to your church, they teach, they preach, and I'm telling you, he deals with a subject.